morning, Victory Church. How you doing? Yo, my name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And I was just watching a video before it started. 15 weeks. That's how old we are, church. You excited? God's doing great things through us and through the church and uh, through you. And we're just excited to celebrate that and continue another week here at Victory. Uh, last week, we gave out a calendar. You can actually, if you weren't here, you didn't get one, uh, you'll be able to grab a calendar on the way out that has a bunch of events. And I want to take a moment just highlight one, which is Mother's Day. Let's hear it for our mothers real quick, right? Right? They need to get celebration more than just Mother's Day. But that's going to be a special day. We're going to be able to honor our mothers. We're going to be able to dedicate some babies uh, here to be the first baby dedication of our church, which we're really excited about. And then we'll have a special guest speaker that Sunday morning, which will be my wife. And so that's going to be an awesome time. Y'all don't even know what you're in store for. I'm going to sit right there with pen and paper and be ready to take some notes on how to be a better husband. Um, It's not what she's going to preach, but I'm sure she's secrets here and there about that. Uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, I want to say welcome. Thank you for uh, spending your Sunday morning with us. And as you heard Malcolm say, we're doing this My Story at TNVictory.com and hearing testimonies all the time from people. And I want to share one this morning. I just thought it'd be fun to let you know what God's doing through you and through this church and other people's lives. And so Brian and Nikki Hall have been coming here for a while now, and they just love the church getting involved. They're in growth track as we speak. Not right now. They're actually over there. But they're in growth track and getting ready to get on the team. And, and he sent me this email the other week, and I just thought it was incredible. He says, God takes us on interesting journeys. I've not made mine the easiest. Anybody else made their journey hard on yourself? Yeah, me too. But it has placed me in the place I'm needed to be. Talk a little bit about that this morning, Brian. You might have been prophetic when you sent this email. I always find myself in compromising positions, whether it be losing children at a young age, drugs, abusing alcohol. I took a lot in my life for granted. I know I can testify to that as well, bud. To make a long story short, I was raised by my great-grandmother, my grandmother, and my mother. And at the age of 19, I lost my great-grandmother, who was my heart. She cared for me like no other had in my life. Eight years later, after never truly facing the loss of my granny, my grandmother passed away. I really struggled with this one because of the way she died. Then a little over a year later, very unexpectedly, my mom passed away. Could you imagine? This made me spiteful and disgusted with God. I bet it did, Jesus and religion as a whole. But through my greatest gift, my children, and an unexpected one, two co-workers of a different faith. You need to grab him in the hallway and make him tell you that story. I was brought back to God, and Victory Church has restored and ignited the passion for God. I've learned that even though I, watch this, even though I left and abandoned God, he was always with me, and I'm internally thankful. Come on, can we give God praise real quick? I love when he said that. Even though I abandoned God, even though I got angry at God and walked away, God never left me. He's constantly pursuing him. When you hear the story, he told me this. He said, when, I, when we decided to come here one morning, he said, I kept putting all these things that I knew I would get out of it. He said, I knew my, the girls wouldn't be awake and ready to go by 930. Well, they were. He knew that his oldest wouldn't go into V Kids. Well, she did. And then he was like, well, I've got my safety net because there's no way my youngest going into the nursery, and she did, and he didn't have any excuses, and he had to come in here, and he had to let the presence of God wreck his life, and God's just been doing something in them, and as a couple, and their marriage, and their family, and I am just excited about what God's doing through you, through this church, and through his power and grace that he has for us. Amen, church. If you got your Bibles, open up to the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry, we'll have it up on the screen. If you've got your phones, feel free to Google it, 2 Kings chapter 6. As you're turning there, we are in a series called Greater 
things. It's based off of John 14, 12, where Jesus said, whomever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and he will do even greater things, for I am going to be with the Father. And we believe <clears throat> that God has, we, that a lot of us have a good life, but we believe God has greater things for us. Amen? And so we've been following the life of a prophet by the name of Elijah and just kind of walking through how God took him from a good life of working in the field for his family, doing what he felt like he was called to do, to a great life in operating as a prophet in the miracles of God. And so we've just kind of been following his life, letting the Bible take us through how do we get our good life and move it to greater things. And so, for example, the very first week, we talked about how in order for you to really grasp great, you got to let go of good. And that's a lot of our problems is we want to hold on to good because it's comfortable and we don't release it to be able to grasp the greater things. And then the next week we said, hey, listen, everything that you need to operate in the greater promise God has for you, you already have. Everything is already and you don't need anything else. God created you the way he created you, ready for what he called you to do. It's already in the house. And then last week, wow, we talked about how on the road to greater, pain is not a detour, but it's often a landmark. And how the greater promise that God has for you is not exempt from the problems of life. And I want to talk to you this morning about if you're going to really operate in the greater things that God has for you, you're going to have to have a greater perspective. You're going to have to have a greater perspective. Perspective often shapes our life. For example, you can grab two people who've lived the same exact day, and one will say it was great, and one will say it wasn't. Because it's all about perspective. We all have a perspective on different things, whether it's weather, whether it's environment, whether it's what we went through, a perspective on marriage, a perspective on parenting. We all have different perspectives, and there is a power in our perspective. Let me give you an example. I saw this recently online in an article I was reading. I thought it was very interesting. It showed an Instagram picture, okay? And it's showing the the power of perspective because sometimes we like to zoom out to see what God's doing and sometimes we like to zoom in. So I saw this and I thought, oh man, look how peaceful she looks, right? She's just on the beach and the wind's blowing her little towel and she's just loving life, probably no kids, right? Obviously no husband got him out the way. He's probably asleep on the couch in the condo and she's just embracing all that God has for her. But when you zoom out, you kind of see, well, it ain't so much that, right? You know what I mean? Maybe it's not peaceful. Look where she's at. You got kids running around. You got parents here. And so it's all about our perspective. If we zoom in, a lot of times we can see things that have been right in front of us the entire time. So here's my question to you. Is it possible that greater things are already around us? We just need to start looking at it from the right angle. We need to have a greater perspective. So 2 Kings chapter 6, we're going to read four verses. Actually, yeah, four verses today, 14, 15, 16, 17. And we're going to look at a greater perspective. When we catch up with Elijah, let me give you some backstory. Elijah's been doing all the things that we've kind of been following around. Right before this, he healed a man by the name of Naaman of leprosy. And then he finds himself right now in the middle of a war between the king of Aram and the king of Israel. Okay, now here's the catch. Elijah has been giving uh, heads up to the king of Israel every time the king of Aram's wanting to attack. So the king of Israel's been able to escape the king of Aram's attack. So now that king is mad at Elijah, and he's going to send his posse to go and wipe Elijah out. Okay? Caught up? So here's where we are. Verse 14. Then he, king of Aram, sent horses and chariots and a strong force there to where Elijah and his servant are. 
They went by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. God, give us a greater perspective. I believe that our perspective is often shaped by what we see. And I think what we see is often shaped by three things. Number one, our surroundings. Imagine this, okay? So you've got Elijah and his servant, and they're hanging out, and Elijah wakes up, and he's got his robe on and his cup of coffee, and Elijah's servant walks out in his robe and his cup of coffee, and he kind of looks around, rubs, you know, the eye boogers out of the eyes, and he looks around, and he sees this massive army surrounding him there with the very intention to destroy them. So he sees what's surrounding him, and he obviously takes on a very negative perspective. And it would make perfect sense that he would have a negative perspective based on what is surrounding him. If we are going to walk in faith into the greater things that God has for us, here's the first thing we have to establish, that we are not gonna, uh, we're not going to dictate those things based off of what we see, but based off of what God said. Because listen, anytime you move from good to great, there will always be a gap between what you see and what God said. There will always be a gap. Abraham could see that he had no children, but God said, you'll be a father of many nations, right? Um, Sarah could see that she was becoming a golden girl, but God said, you were going to have a child in your old age. The disciples could see that Jesus had died on the cross, but God said he'd be resurrected. So many times when you're walking out this greater faith, you will not be able to make a connection between what you see and what God said. And so it's why you need to be really uh, intentional in what you surround yourself with. God has been trying to eliminate sight from our faith from the very beginning. What do you say? We walk by what? Faith, not by sight. He said, he said faith is the, is the assurance of what you hope for, and it's the evidence of what you do not see. He's constantly trying to eliminate sight because he knows that if we focus on these two things right here, we will look at the situations we're in, and when those situations don't add up with what God promised us, we'll begin to doubt what God said, and we'll walk away prematurely from God's timing of our blessing. Recently, I have an eight-year-old and a three-year-old, and recently my mother-in-law bought my eight-year-old some Legos. And so I came home, and my daughter said, hey, Dad, you, you want to you wanna play with some Legos? And I said, sure. I hadn't played with Legos in how about 33 33 years. And so I was like, sure, that'd be, let's, let's do that. Let's play with some Legos. And so she gets a box and it's not the same one, but it's very similar, right? So she gets a box kind of like this and she goes, all right, you know, here it is. And I'm looking, I'm like, oh man, it's a, it's a car. The one she had was kind of like a ship, but I'm like, okay, it's a car. And so I take the box and I open it up. I say, wait a minute. That don't look like a car. They sold us a broken toy. I got real confused because when you see what's on the box, 
this doesn't look anything like what's on the box, right? I thought we were about to play with a car. Apparently, I got to build the car. Now I'm a mechanic, and I'm not getting paid. And so it really confused me because I'm like, all right, maybe if I open it up and pour it out, it'll, like, form itself. (laughs) There's obviously a mistake between the picture and the pieces. Something's missing. Elijah's servant freaks out, and he walks into Elijah and says, oh, my Lord, what are we going to do? And Elijah says, there are more with us than there are with them. And his servant says, what? One, two, one. Did you get a bad mushroom or something? Are you you adding this up? It's two versus a lot. It's in a royal rumble. Like, what's happening right now? what, What do you do? Watch. What do you do when the process doesn't match the promise? What do you do when the peace doesn't match the picture? Here's what I'm learning more and more about God. That a lot of times he'll give me the promise in the beginning, but give me the process in pieces. And I have to learn how to be able to piece together the process And trust God that even though it doesn't look like what the picture said it was going to look like, I have to trust the process. So now you see the importance of knowing what's surrounding me. Because if I let somebody else tell me, hey, man, Bobby, is this like a car to you? No, Troy, it doesn't look like a car to you. Well, then I guess it's not a car. But when I keep what God said in front of me, when I surround myself with what God told me, I can start to see, well, this does have that peace. It's all about understanding that you need to be careful about what you surround. I I, I thought about this. We need to have a standard for what we let surround us. Because if we're not careful, we will always focus on the how instead of the what. When I was growing up in school, we had something called simple math. Y'all remember that? Simple math? And maybe I'm just a simple person, but like two plus two equals what? Four. I'm teaching you already. Y'all can go home today and be like, man, we learned something. We learned math. Four plus four is? Okay, some of you know it. All right. And so, you know, the the whole point of math in, in my school was to come up with the answer, right? Two plus two equals four. Four plus four equals eight. If I could come up with the sum... I, I did it. I got, a, I got an A. I, I succeeded. Then they tried to make it difficult, and they started adding letters. And this was unbiblical. I didn't understand. It's like math is numbers. English is, is letters. Let's not marry the two. There's, there's no reason to do that. But then it became like A plus B equals C, right? Like, okay, whatever. And then it got really confusing, and they would do this. If A equaled 5 and C equals 10 then what is B? And here was my answer. Who cares? Right? We've got the answer. 
Why do you care about the process? I've got the answer. We're done here. Give me an A. You gave me the answer. I passed. Go on to third grade or whatever grade I was in, 12th grade for that matter. Like, I don't need it. I don't need to know the process when I have the answer. And so many of us with God, we're focusing more on the process when God's already given us the answer. And we have to learn your perspective must be formed on what God's already told you and not what you're seeing around you. And there's so many things that God has already promised you. He promised you success for your marriage. He promised you success in your finances. He promised you success in the calling in your life. He said you're a royal priesthood. He said there's a calling on you. He said all these things. But if you don't surround yourself with what God said, you will start focusing on what you see. And eventually, your eyes will deceive God's promise. So you got to have greater surroundings. Number two is your experiences. Now, here's what's interesting about Elijah's situation is Elijah has been here before. This is not Elijah's first rodeo. He has seen over 10 miracles at the hand of God by the time he gets into this situation in chapter 6. We've already preached about some of them. We talked about uh, the miracle that he did with the widow and the oil. We talked about the miracle with the Shunammite woman and being able to prophesy her having a son and that same miracle where that son died and then he, he was resurrected, right? I just told you that before this in chapter 5, he heals a man by the name of Naaman of leprosy. And so Elijah's been experiencing all of these awesome things with God, right? And here's the catch. I'd never seen this before until I was reading this this past week. The servant that is with him is not the same servant that was with him in those miracles. Because I tend to just kind of, okay, servant must have been the last servant. Because if y'all remember when we were talking about the uh, Shunammite, Shunammite woman and the, and the son of died, he, he was having that conversation with his servant. So I'm like, man, that servant saw that. Why is he struggling now? But after he healed Naaman of leprosy, that servant that he had got a little crazy. And he ended up having to kick that servant out. And this is a new servant. So watch this. Elijah has all these experiences, but the servant doesn't. Because what you have seen will always have an impact on what you see, right? We always want somebody with experience. If you want somebody to watch your kids or you want to take parenting advice you want to know from somebody who has what? Experience. Someone who has a kid. When you go to apply for a job, what do they ask you? What kind of experience do you have, right? Because we always understand that people who have been there before act differently. You will always, even in the church world, look, you'll always see the difference between someone who's worked in the church before and who hasn't because they've seen some stuff before. It's about the experience. And I think every experience we face is a peace that God hands us. And here's what happens. Watch this. I'm, I'm going to really make it real for you. <clears throat> when you get handed a piece, you go, why do I need this? What, what, what am I going to do with this? What, what is this for? When you go through an experience, why do I need this? What is this for? Why am, I, why am I going through this? I learn more and more, because I'm always the guy that tries to get in front of God. 
I'm always looking for the next greater thing that he wants to do. I'm always trying to get ahead of him. Like, God, what are you going to bless? Let me go ahead and get there. What are, you, what are you doing? Give me something in advance. And I learned that I understand God more when I look at him in reverse. Because I look back and I see experiences that I didn't understand them when they were handed to me. But when I look back, they begin to add together and the pieces add up. Right now, obviously, I'm, I'm working, my little office is in my bedroom, and I've got this little desk in the corner, and on the wall, I have like 20 post-it notes just on the wall. It's not Joanna Gaines-type decor, don't worry about that. But the reason for that is because they're all different miracles that God has done since we moved here. It's the miracle of us wanting to be able to launch debt-free and being connected with LifePoint and being able to do that. It's the miracle of looking for a location and going to the movie theater and finding out we had to spend a bukus of money and then being able to find this school and the principal of the school and how awesome he is and being able to connect with each of you and this and that and this and that and five baptisms and 21 plus salvations and all that. And it's all over the wall. But when I was in those experiences, I didn't see them as an opportunity. When we were worried about where we were going to get the finances from, I didn't see the life point situation as an opportunity. When we met with the movie theater and we walked out worried about the cost, we didn't see the school as an opportunity. Because often when you get handed a piece, it doesn't make sense until you can connect it to what? Other pieces. And here's what I'm learning you need to start looking for the connectivity of your adversity. Because everything you go through connects to something else. And it begins to add up. <clears throat> okay, that makes more sense now. Okay, now I know, I look back on it, now I know why I went through that. Okay, and then this piece goes here. I didn't like this piece, right? I really hated this piece, but I couldn't have been able to have this piece without that piece. See what I'm saying? Because some of the things you hate the most in your life, you can't have the parts you love the most without that piece. It's important to, to be able to notice the connectivity in the adversity. And when you notice the connectivity in the adversity, you will start to see opportunity. And now all of a sudden things add up more and more. And it's why, listen, it's why Elijah prayed this, Lord, open his eyes. Let him see the experience that we're in because he'll learn from this experience. You know what I thought was really interesting? I think it's interesting that if you notice when you read these verses, and I didn't know it until, again, I was reading it for this particular sermon, but the servant walks in, and he doesn't even tell Elijah what the problem is. Did you notice that? He just says, oh, my Lord, what are we going to do? Well, depends. <laughs> what's wrong? Is the coffee shop closed? Like, what's, what's the problem? You know, he doesn't even ask that. He just responds with, do not be afraid. Because once you've been through some stuff, once you've gone through some experiences and you see the faithfulness of God, it doesn't matter what the next experience is. You still have the same response. Do not be afraid. It's just a piece of the process. It's just something we have to do. You may not like this. It may not make sense. But your perspective needs to understand that God is doing what he promised in your life. And this experience that you're going through is a pivotal piece in the process. 
me and Darla, when we decided we were going to, hey, Tim, can I have that water real quick, bud? Thank you, man. When we decided we were going to move here and plant the church, we wanted to get kind of like a getaway before our lives got really hectic and crazy. And so we love, <coughs> we love to do theme parks. We are theme park people. And so Darla kind of snuck away. She, she didn't tell me all this, but she kind of planned this little trip to Orlando and kind of, kind of got us snuck away for a couple of days with the kids and just enjoyed Orlando. And we would ride roller coasters nonstop. And I don't remember what park we were at, but there was this park, and you might know it by this, that had this roller coaster called the Rocking Roller Coaster. Y'all heard that before? And so the key to it is it's got these big speakers right here by your head, and it's got like 20 songs on a song list, and you pick one, and when you, it plays during the roller coaster. And I love music, and so I was, that was just fun for me. I think it was like a Kanye West song, and I, was, I don't even know what the words were. I don't even know what the song's called. I was just like, you know, I was just excited to be like, I felt like I was flying with Kanye. And so it was really awesome. And I ended up riding that ride like 10 times, okay? We rode it a couple times during the peak hours, and then as the night got down and I could tell Darla was fading, I kind of put her on a bench and said, hey, you sit right there, And because I, I could go up, ride, get right back on. Y'all ever done it before? Ride. I was riding that ride like 20, I mean, it was just over and over and over. So like the seventh time, I get on the ride, and the way it's set up, it's two people. So it's me and another person. I get on the ride, you know, I bring the little brace down to where you can't breathe, you know, and I already get my music picked out, and I'm um, sitting there, and I look over, and it's like, let's just say he was probably about nine years old, okay, his kid is right here in the seat beside me, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, hey, man, you excited? And he goes, yeah, very anticlimactic. I said, have you rode this before? And he goes, no, this is my first time. I said, oh, it's my seventh at that moment, you could tell he was kind of like, I wish I could change seats. You know, this guy's a little weird. Because I always go for the front seat. You got to get the front seat. And so I'm like, man, it's so much fun. I said, go, look, look, pick Kanye. Pick Kanye. He, I don't, I'm not even sure he understood what I was saying. He was just like, oh, shit, goodness. And so I'm like, come on, man, come on. Watch, watch. We're going to go. We're going to go. And so we go. It starts off real slow. And if you guys are familiar with roller coasters, when it starts to go, it's like click, 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 click. You know what I'm talking about? You know that all of your life's about to end the moment you hear those clicks up. And so it's like click, click. And all the pressure starts to push you down, you know, and you see Jesus. And you're like, oh, this is the rapture. This is how this happens. Okay. And so I'm going up, going up. And I happened to, like, peel my head off. And I looked over at him. And he was as white as a ghost. I was like, oh, no, this boy is scared. And so I remember this. I'll never forget it. I looked over and I said, hey, man, you all right? He was like, uh-huh. I said, hey, look. Don't be afraid. I've done this before. I said, I know you hear the clicking, but don't worry. When the clicking stops, that's when it gets fun. Okay? Because I knew the moment the click, 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 woo, man, we'd be gone. Listen, here's the process with God. Don't be afraid because you've done it before. Right? You've been on this ride before. God has brought you through some stuff before. And when you start to value your experiences, here's your response. You'll tell other people, hey, 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 don't be afraid. Don't worry. The clicking you hear means that the fun is about to begin. Because the moment I get into some adversity, that adversity has some connectivity, which is going to open up some opportunity. And then I'm going to be able to see God move. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me give you an example. So here's Joseph, right? Here's Joseph, and, and his, he, he, he prophesies to his brothers, I'm going to be a king. He shouldn't have said you're going to worship me. That was his bad. But he, and they throw him into a cistern. Man, what a bad experience. 
You ever been in a place where you didn't understand why you were there? You ever thought one thing was going to go a different way? Oh, I'm going to tell him this, and then God's going to do this, and then that didn't happen. And here he sits in this cistern, and you can guarantee for a moment he thought to himself, God? That didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And how am I going to be king? How are they going to worship me if I'm in here? Okay, pause that for a minute. VCR, fast forward, we're over here. And Joseph is the right hand to Potiphar. I'm sorry, right hand to Pharaoh. And because of that position, he ends up saving his family's life. And his family bowed down. Where's the picture? Peace. Watch this. If Joseph isn't the right hand of Pharaoh, his family dies. Joseph isn't the right hand of Pharaoh if he doesn't interpret a dream in prison. He doesn't interpret a dream in prison if he ain't in prison. He's not in prison if he doesn't work for Potiphar. He doesn't work for Potiphar if he's not a slave. He's not a slave if he's not in the cistern. You see what I mean? So we look at this experience and we don't understand how God's picture adds up. And God says, don't worry about your surroundings and don't worry about the experience because there's connectivity to your adversity. And the more that you go through this and this and this and this, don't worry, my plan is working so that I can give you my promise. You got to have a greater perspective though. You got to be able to look at something and see what God already put in place. Because when the servant looks, he looks in the same situation. He just sees it differently. And so God's setting you up. It's a setup. And everything that everybody's ever told you, you're never going to be this. You're never going to do that. You're never gonna... Hey, look, don't put your lid on me, okay? I'm not trying to look through your perspective. I'm not worried about what you see. Because watch this. I see what you see. When we got ready to move here, we had a couple friends tell a couple friends who did move here with us, they said, hey, don't go with Troy and Darla because they're not going to succeed. They said, two, three months from now, you'll be back here. Don't go with them. Our friends told us that story. I'll be honest with you. I ain't like it, but I understood it because I saw what they saw. I didn't know where we were going to live. I didn't know how we were going to get here. I didn't know how we were going to pay our bills. I didn't know if anybody was ever going to show up. I didn't know if we were going to be able to build a team. I saw what she saw, but she didn't hear what I heard. She didn't hear what God told me. And so listen, as you're going from the process to the promise, don't get frustrated in the process. Have the perspective that God promised you something, and no matter where you are or what you're going through, it's all going to connect to at some point give you your promise. I think most of the problems with people who follow Christ is they throw in the towel before they ever see the promise. Because it's not comfortable. And it's not going to be comfortable. If the process was easy, watch this. Everybody be doing it. Right? But God says, if you'll trust me, surround yourself with me, 
with my word, with people who hear my word and are encouraged. Surround, put yourself in a church. Surround yourself with things that will remind you, even though you're in the midst of hardship, I've got a greater plan for your life. Surround yourself. And then put value to your experiences. Oh, God, I can't believe I got a flat tire again. Oh, my goodness, why do I need, this is horrible. And then all of a sudden, the person who stops to help you is not saved, and you lead them to the Lord. Wow. There was a process behind my experience. Or the guy who comes to help you, come to find out he works in the same business you work in, and he's got connections, and before you know it, you move up a couple promotions. There's always a process to the experience. But here's what we want. We want God to tell us what we're going to do and go, a car. Thank you, God. Woo. Successful marriage. <laughs> I didn't have to talk to her. I didn't have to clean a dish. Boom. There it is. Look, look, here's what me and Darla are learning. Godly kids. I didn't have to train them up or nothing. They just, poop. there they are. Isn't that what we want? Doesn't work that way. God says you got to piece it together. One by one. Okay. All right. So we got to set Veda down. We got a teacher. She can't do that. All right. Oh, she did it again. Ah, okay. Got to, got to. Got to bring Casey in this time. Got to teach her because when she does it, sissy sees it. And now, okay, all right. Oh, God, could you help us? Could you help us? We are so inadequate. Could you help us be, because we want our kids to be godly and just, oh, okay, all right. God says, you know what? Keep doing that prayer because I'm piecing it together. I'm piecing it together. And, and look, this happens all the time. I don't care. I'm use y'all for an example. Y'all have one of the most godly sons I've ever met in Blake. And I guarantee you, if I brought you up around stage, and I would do it, but I didn't tell you, so I don't want to embarrass you. And I said, what did you do? Give it to me. Give me the PDF. You would say, I don't know. Wouldn't you? You'd say, I don't know. He just, he just, it just did. No, it's not what happened. You were over here thinking you were failing, going, God, help me. I don't understand this. He keep, I'm about to bust his mouth. He keeps talking back to me. Here we go. I don't know. Why does he wear those shorts with those white legs? I don't know. I'm kidding. I love you. And so he's just, just piecing it together, piecing it. And, and you end up here with the promise, and you go, I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know. You're right you don't know because it was never about you. It was always about trusting God in the process and piecing it together. So with your surroundings and your experience, and then watch this, last but not least, your expectation. So Elijah tells his servant, open, or he says the Lord opens his eyes, right? Now guys, his eyes were already opened. It's not like he had men in black where he had like two layers of eyes. His eyes were already open. Theologians say he opened his eyes mind. And so when the servant looks again, this time he has an expectation of what he's going to see. Malcolm alluded for a moment to this week for me. I have really bad sinuses. And so Wednesday is normally the day that I'll practice and go through my sermon. And I just couldn't, I just didn't have the energy. And so I texted the team said, Hey guys, my sermon's going to be late. I'm sorry. And I literally about I don't know, sometime last night, 
was finishing up some stuff and the Lord showed me this and I understood now why we had to wait because I originally was going to use a puzzle for this sermon. Think about it. See the picture on the puzzle, you get the pieces. Makes sense. Piece the pieces together, builds the picture. Makes sense. But when I got to expectation, I felt the Lord tell me this. You can't use a puzzle. You need to use Legos. Now, he didn't say it verbally, so don't be like, man, God be talking to you like that? Here's what happened. I said, you know what? There's no imagination with a puzzle, right? It just, you get what you get. You can't put the pieces together in a different way and form a better picture. All you get is what you got. But with Legos, it'll go as far as you expect it to go. Because I can stop right here and go, man, I made a really funky J. Hallelujah. Or, you know, maybe, a, okay, anyway. <laughs> I'm not, told you, I never played with these things. L, there we go, hey, loser. Um, it's all about your imagination and your expectation. I thought it was interesting. The one I ended up buying, I didn't notice this to this morning, it's three and one. Which means in these little things right here, I can build three different things. Why would I choose this one over these? Because I'm expecting greater things. So your perspective is always going to hinge on your expectations. Do you expect God to do something greater? Or are you going to get to a certain place and go, ah, it's good enough. It's good enough. Elijah said, raise his expectations. Let him be able to see what God's already put there. Now I thought about this. Because anytime I bring to you a message, God has already walked me through it before. And I said, God, I so bad want greater things. But sometimes I doubt that you can do that through me. I look at my surroundings. I think about my experiences. And I don't think that I have what it takes to embrace what you say I'm going to experience. And I thought about this. It comes with an instruction booklet. This was pretty cool. This is page one. That looks a lot like me. Oh, bumpy head, no good for nothing, wasteful. If somebody stepped on it, it would hurt, and they kick it and throw it in the trash, right? Because that's what I see. God says, yeah, but as the process goes, just a little bit and a little bit. And then as the process continues, now all of a sudden I start to look a little greater. I thought, you know what? This book is taking me from good to great. We've got an instruction booklet. You know what it is, right? Spoiler alert. It's the Bible. 
where God promised us greater things. But from our perspective, we don't see it. And God says you need to adjust your perspective and you need to put yourself with greater surroundings. You need to value your experiences and you need to raise your expectations. And when you do that, it'll impact what you see and what you see will shift your perspective and then you can start operating in the promises that I've already put in place. Would you stand with me this morning? I wanted to challenge you this morning to dream a little bit bigger than you may be dreaming right now. And to not be so caught up on who you are, what you've done, what you look like, but stand more on the firm promises of God. We started this series, and it's not over, we still got a few more weeks, but we started this series with this understanding. God has greater things for every one of us in our marriages, in our friendships, in our jobs, and of course in our church. We have to start believing it and we have to start expecting it. And I'm just wondering if greater's already around us, but our perspective is off. And you start to see little things and you find out that greater is in the simple. I thought about this, babe. I've been all week back and forth on this message and I thought, you know what? If I want a greater marriage, one way I can do that is by making the bed. Did y'all know that? I found that out this week. Apparently she likes it when the bed's made. Never knew. That was real simple. And it was already right in front of me. I walked by it every day, every day. But excuse me, messy bed, baby, my baby will get that. Greater things right in front of me. I just needed a better perspective. And I challenge you, I think that something greater for you is right now in front of you wherever you go, at home, at your job. It's just a matter of you having the right perspective. You being able to walk into your workplace, walk into your home, talk to your spouse, talk to your kids, and believe and expect and prophesy and speak greater. Because here's what I've learned. The right perspective will have an impact on your language. You see it different, you'll speak it different. Am I right? I can't stand, and I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but when I'm talking to somebody, I go, hey man, how you doing? They go, oh, I'm okay. Like, listen, everybody's got hardship. You need a different perspective because something great has happened in your life today if you're just recognizing. Am I right? So, Lord, I pray right now, your presence, your Holy Spirit, the same way you did for that servant, that you would adjust our sight and that we would see greater things in the everyday in our job, in our family, in our relationships, in our finances, God, we'd be able to see greater in those things. But God, it starts with our perspective. How we see 
depends on how we develop our eyesight. So, Lord, I pray we would surround ourselves with things of you, your word, your promise. I pray we'd begin to value our experiences and see the connectivity of the adversity. And then we would begin to expect for great things from you, Lord. And in moments that seem hopeless and moments that seem defeated where we might scream out, Lord, what do I do? What do I do with my marriage? What do I do with my home? What do I do with my job? What do I do? God would say, look again. Look again and see what I've already put in place. Because the one who is for you is greater than the one who is against you. Can we just lift our hands for a moment and give him praise for that? Recognize that that the one who is for us is greater than the one who is against us. And God, for that very reason, we can walk in greater things. And no matter what we go through, we may be we may be knocked down, but we're not taken out. That God, we might be frustrated, but we're not overwhelmed. God, because you are still in control and you're still operating in our lives and you're still blessing us and you're taking us from glory to glory to glory. And although pain is not a detour, it may be a landmark. Even though we may have problems, God, the promise still stands. The promise still stands. Great is thy faithfulness. God, I love that this morning. Great is your faithfulness. The promise still stands, God. The picture you gave us of a happy home, the picture you gave us of godly children, the picture you gave us of the ministry that we have, the picture you gave us of the calling you have, the picture you gave us of the church you have, the picture you have of the impact in this area. God, the promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. God, help me see what you've already put in place. Would you ask it this morning real quick? Just say, God, help me see what you've already put in place. Give me your perspective, God, of what you've already put in place. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said,